This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Hi friends, I took a little break and needed to in order to just kind of gather myself. I'm sure if you listened to the most recent Friday meditation, you heard um, about just how things have been lately and um, they with my family and um, particularly my dad. So I won't go into it because it's his own personal life, but uh, he has, he has been recovering from an elective surgery that had risks and some of the risks, um, did happen. And so we have been handling that. We have gone through a lot with him and we are very thankful that he is here and he is healthy and recovering, but he is still, um, in the hospital and working on getting better. So we're hoping we have tons of adventures left in life with him. So, and we're pretty certain we do. So I'm jumping back in, trying to find my rhythm with work and life and everything amongst everything else that's happening in our world, uh, outside of our own family unit. So it, it feels like a lot and I'm kind of going to work on a meditation here. So <laughs> this week and kind of talking about some of this and, but it's really hard to write sometimes, but I read somewhere that even in hard and difficult times, it's really important to keep doing it, to keep creating, to keep on because it is so important to keep doing that and to keep this. I've just learned, I guess, through all of this, that even when my creativity had been kind of tanking with just like the emotional need to kind of think through things, 
and analyze life a little bit, I also realized how important it is to just make things. And they didn't necessarily have to be related to work or anything else, but just creating something. So during that time, I worked on some garden designs, some other things that were really creative that didn't involve my words because I didn't have words, particularly through some of this. And I'm still kind of struggling with them, but I do feel like one night I just was laying there and realized, oh, they're coming back to me. And so I think we just got to continue to remember that, to like remember the importance of creating. So all that to say, we are back to finish up this companion planting conversation. And I didn't want to lose out on this like super important (laughs) part of this is how do we use companion planting in our garden? We have understood now why, like what is companion planting? Why use companion planting and the history of companion planting. But now Megan, how do we use this? And I think that's a key question. But I do want to say that if you are finding this at all interesting, I highly suggest checking out the Simple Garden Planning e-course. It is full of examples and showing how to use companion planting as you're doing your garden design in a way that does all the things and why we do it, such as like eliminating weeds, making sure you're not having to use pesticides. There's all sorts of reasons to use it. And I show you how to do it like in a massive way. Like it's a huge portion of the e-course itself. And if you want even just the expanded companion planting guide, it is available in our ultimate garden planting toolkit. So those two things are linked in the show notes. So you definitely want to check those out. They are awesome and helpful, but if you don't want to have, like basically the the toolkit is included in the e-course, or if you don't feel like you want the whole e-course and you just want the resources in the toolkit, which includes my expanded companion planting chart, you can get all that in the toolkit for just $55. So it's depending on what you need and want and everything, it's all there. So it also includes three different garden designs that are very different for different types of people that if you are interested in using companion planting in your garden. So they are included in that ultimate toolkit guide as well. But there's more exciting things that I plan to be putting out this month. So I will be sharing that. These include garden design specifically. So with planting schedules and everything. So I have a few coming out. We also have some really exciting collaborations with some local farms that I'll be talking about. So there's lots of amazing things, but that's where you can find the real deep information. But today I'm going to give you a high level idea of how to utilize this in your garden. Now that you know what it is, why to use it and the history itself, you got to know how to actually implement it, right? (laughs) So With companion planting, what we're looking for in our boxes or our beds, depending on if you're doing raised beds or you're doing in-ground beds, we're basically looking to have a key or core plant. That's basically how I like to think about this. And 
I don't know if this is how other people do it, but this is how I do it. And I have found it super effective. And so when I'm thinking even about like, we could just break up the garden into like four by four plots. You're going to want to be thinking about a core plant. So that core plant would be something like a tomato, corn, eggplant, um, beans, cucumbers. Those would be some of your core plants. So if you were like, you know what? I would really like to grow tomatoes this year. And I've been sticking with the tomato analogy because um, I have a really good blog post, which I'll also link in the show notes, that kind of represents how this model would work a little bit. Uh, But basically, if you utilize tomato as your core plant, which you place in the center of that four by four, you then would want to then think about all the little buddies from there, which if you're utilizing the expanded companion planting chart, then you would know that there's certain things such as basil, beans, chives, asparagus, borage, carrots, cucumbers, garlic, lettuce, marigolds, nasturtium, onions, parsley, sage, and thyme that are all the options to put around your tomatoes. And you do not have to put all of those around your tomatoes. Every single one of these different companion plant com- companion plants actually have a specific purpose. And you can go deeper into those by doing some research. So if your tomatoes in the past, you've had a lot of hornworms, for instance, some of these companion plants specifically will help you fight off those hornworms and make them make it a less conducive environment for them to find your tomatoes. So one of these is borage. Borage is basically like kryptonite for hornworms. So they hate it. They don't want to be around it. So if you have plenty of borage, so for every tomato, I always like to have at least one borage. And I would also then be thinking about how do I pair things around it that would um, support like the things like mulching underneath to keep the rain or the water moist and the water moist, the soil moist. Sorry about that. Um, And how would I, what would I choose? And that would be something like lettuce. And then if I was thinking about something like, how do I make sure that the soil is aerated properly? I'd be thinking about the carrots because they open up the ground and everything. And obviously carrots can be planted far sooner than the tomatoes will. And then some other things like If you're like, you know, my tomatoes haven't tasted super great in the past, borage is another one of those that was really helpful with that. So is basil. It helps to create better flavor for your tomatoes. So there's these are all sorts of plants that we can be bringing around the tomatoes to help it be supported and we can create this little community and they're all working together really well because the tomato also feeds these plants as well. So I just love thinking about it. So with a core plant in the middle, and then we have these supportive plants all around it. Now, if you're thinking like, okay, that's a great idea, but like I have a huge bed, like how do I fill all of that with companion plants? And like, what else can I, how can I actually use this in other ways? Well, there's lots of other ways. What's also nice about companion planting is we also learn to understand what these plants don't like. So that's one of the things I think is really great about 
having some sort of something to reference because there's so many plans that you'd be surprised that like you shouldn't put with other ones. So one of these is like, you should never have brassicas and tomatoes nearby each other. They hinder each other's growth and it is not good. So if you've ever grown them together, I'm sure you probably noticed this. So there's things like that. The other thing to know is that when we look at the avoid columns or plants we should avoid with companion plants or specific plants. So if your core plant is cucumbers, there are certain things that you shouldn't pair with cucumbers, for instance, or that shouldn't grow before them like potatoes or certain aromatic herbs. And I say grow before them, meaning like this is part of how I actually think about my garden with seasons too. So when I'm actually starting my garden design, I think about, okay, my highest yielding season is right in the summer. That's when I cre we create the most amount of food that we save and everything. Well, once I have that design, I then know that I have to plan accordingly in the spring and the fall. I usually do the spring after I do summer and then fall to finish up. Since fall is still really important, but it's kind of the afterthought. The reason being is that I want to think about, okay, if I'm going to grow tomatoes in this box, what I don't want to grow in the spring is I don't want to grow kale here, but I could grow onions here. And I could grow things like asparagus. Like if I already had my asparagus growing there, I could do asparagus and onions together. Oh, sorry. No, onions don't go with asparagus. I just double checked that one. But you could do your asparagus to go through because by the time the asparagus would be done, the tomatoes would be ready to go in. And you can do things like that. So because if, for instance, if you had cabbages growing where you're going to plant your tomatoes, there's a really good chance some of that residual, you know, information is still in the soil. Even if you amend it in some way, it's still there. So you really want to wait a period of time before you would plant tomatoes in that area. Um, that's an example. But then in the fall, we could say, okay, something that does really well after that would be, you know, we pull our tomatoes, but we keep our carrots and maybe we do onions and, um, more marigolds and things like that, that we plant as we get closer to the next season. And th that's part of our harvest for fall. So as you can see, you can kind of utilize this, not just for planting the actual boxes and four by four spaces that you're creating, but you can also use it for helping thinking about rotation through your garden and succession planting, because we just want to make sure that we're supporting our plants um, through, from beginning to end. Right. So, <laughs> uh, I think that that is the best way to kind of explain it. It's, it's tricky because it's a new thing or it's not a new thing, but like this concept is something that a lot of gardeners are just starting to re-implement into their garden. So it's new in that way, but the overall concept, as you know, if you listen to history is that it's been around for centuries there is still some like people who would say that there's lacking scientific evidence and things like this. But as somebody who's been utilizing this for a long period of time to plan my garden, to grow things, to, you know, to create our garden spaces and think about how can we rebuild the ecosystems around us in a healthy way, 
I will, I would beg to differ that this doesn't work from a scientific perspective. So I think that uh, maybe there needs to be more scientific research on this, but I think that it's really a powerful, powerful thing to utilize in our garden. And I want to just toss it out there. I'm going to do a Q&A. That's my next episode. If you guys have specific questions or anything that you would like me to answer on this, I would be more than happy to answer them and go through them. I have a few already from our community, but I wanted to just toss it out to get a few more and just kind of be able to make sure everybody was heard. So if you have a question, you can send it to me on Instagram at Fresh Exchange or you can email me at hello at freshexchange.com and send me an email about maybe your question or even some reflections that you've had about companion planting. So there are so many lovely resources out there, but of course, if you want to learn more, you can always check out the e-course, which you can find in the show notes. I am happy to hear your thoughts and excited to answer those questions. So until next time, my friends, I'll see you out there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.